Hello everyone and welcome back to Eating Salads. It's me again, Austin Crosby. Coming to you from a cloudy day. Surprisingly cloudy. Um, has not rained yet. I don't know if it will. Haven't looked. I just thought it was worth noting. I mean, at one point I was a little bit chilly, or a lot chilly, and I hadn't eaten, so I went to Walmart and grocery shopped, got a bunch of goodies, and actually used the seat warmer on the way to Walmart, and then proceeded to really shiver the entire time I was in Walmart, and uh, yeah, it, it was chilly. There's some guy walking his, walking his dogs. Plan. I know the one guy. I don't know the other guy. Um, dude. Boy. So, I was looking into, and I actually found a good blog post type thing about it from some architects in the long run. I want to get too ahead of myself, but there's no good miles per gallon equivalent for houses. There are many other standards or accreditations for energy efficient homes uh, such as passive house which also has enterfit there's leeds accreditation um yeah many more many more i mean there's maybe a dozen uh actually in some countries they do have like a mandatory version of this and uh, they grade the house on a scale of like G to A, for example, in Italy. And I guess the problem is I mean, it's a little bit more complicated than cars. I mean, cars, you generally want to know how many gallons of fuel will move the car how many miles. And uh, the size is pretty much the factor, you know, that affects that efficiency. With homes... They have so many fuel sources. It's, you know, one house can use many fuel sources for all their different things. But then it's also, like, how big is the house, too? Uh, and then how leaky is the house? Like, generally with cars, it doesn't really matter if, you know, your car's not airtight or whatever. So I say all this because the biggest ones, the biggest two that I really think of, and they're less so grading systems as uh, accreditations or just concepts the passive house which calls their retrofit enterfit and um net zero there's also living the living building challenge is another one that includes water it's basically net zero and water uh anyway and the the problem is that these companies like if it's a it's like a placard that you can get like they want to send someone out or they want you to submit a bunch of official documents etc cetera, etc cetera, and pay money to have them a credit well i have all of our energy data of course i've talked about it ad nauseum so i was just trying to find out like how do we compare you know what what's the criteria and of course they keep that. It's like pri pr proprietary information. They keep that hidden uh, or in very convoluted documents with charts and all that kind of, you know, it's, it's very convoluted. 
And one of the things that I found is that they, uh, they include things like your air tightness. There's a standard for that. Um, air changes per hour under a blower door test. And then there's other criteria. Uh, I can't think of what all they are, but there's other criteria. Um, for example, like what kind of windows do you have? What kind of insulation do you have, etc. And ours varies throughout the house. We have some places more insulation than others. So, and we've never had an, a blower door test. Um, but I suspect we're pretty good as far as air changes per hour goes. It used to be dreadful. I think it's a lot better. Um, but I don't know that it's passive house standard. And what I mean by that is like passive house standard is all about not using energy and then creating some energy where it's like we use plenty of energy and then we create a lot of energy. You know what I mean? We're pretty efficient too. Uh, we're not net zero though, as I've explained, like net zero is definitely a much harder thing to accomplish unless you're doing a new build in a place that won't restrict your solar because then you can just build it really nice and tight and then slap a bunch of solar on it and you're good to go. Uh, our situation is a little bit more complicated. So what I did find, and I hope I get this right, is a metric called energy usage index or yeah, I think that's it's EUI. And that is measured in either kilowatt hours per square foot per year or kilo BTUs per meter squared per year. You know, I, I believe those are the two. One of them might be meters, one of them might be feet, or vice versa. You know what I'm saying. I did find this architect company that um, put up a calculator for that figure, an EUI calculator. Although in all of my digging, I could not, and I think that's a good way of doing it, by the way. Like that doesn't include some other metrics, but it shouldn't need to if the figure is good enough. Like if you have a problem, then yes, you should figure out what your air blower air door test is and then you should solve that so that you can get your score lower but I just want to know what the score is you know what I mean I don't need that other level of comprehension I just need a simple metric like miles per gallon and that same architecture firm also had a blog post called you know why there's no miles per gallon for your building and they talked about you know implementing this figure and comparing different buildings by that figure. One of the big problems of this is that it's not really been applied to residential buildings except for this small interest group that I'm in. You know what I mean? Average house EUI has, is the last thing listed or rarely listed on some of these uh, indexes. So let's put this in perspective. And I think that we're gonna, it'll put it'll be some interesting perspective. Like one of the worst was hospitals and, uh, hospitals use a ton of energy. That was the chart that I found. And I believe it was KBTUs per meter squared per year. 
it was on a scale of zero to 600 and a hospital would have been like up near 600. Um, this architecture firm claims that the average residential home uh, uses around 100 to 200 KBTUs, you know, meter squared, whatever, all that. Well, then they said a very efficient home uses 25 KBTUs per meter squared per year. And passive house requires you to do under 15 KBTUs per meter squared. And you calculate this by putting in your electric consumption, your gas consumption, maybe your wood consumption, but then also your renewable generation, the square meterage of your house, and then also how many people live in the house um, for what that's worth. Well, as I said, passive house in this simplest of terms, of this simplest of terms, because in other places I'd find passive house and it would be like, specifically your heating demand is one section, specifically your cooling demand is another, etc. Well, the way that this put it, passive house required 15 KBTU meters squared per year. Um, when I put in our usage before, so not including solar, I just wanted to see usage, we came out to just over 25 KBTU per meter squared per year. So apparently without solar, we are an efficient household, which is really cool to know. Makes sense. We have all the most efficient stuff we could installed. Um, and it's not that big of a house, so we don't keep it that hot in the winter, etc. Well, then I, uh, then I put in our solar. And remember, passive house, 15, lower, better. We came out at uh, 7.8. So by that means, I don't know if we're that much more efficient is the right word, but we use like about half or a little bit more than half of the energy of one of these supposed uh, passive houses, which is crazy because we still have room to go. Uh, now zero would be net zero. So we're not, we're clearly not net zero. And you can see how that's like kind of complicated. If we are making the changes that I've talked about with um, switching heat pumps for our dryer and our water heater, it could come down to, and by that I mean like cutting out gas usage entirely, it would come down to, I think, two point something um, KBTU meter squared a year. So pretty crazy, right? And now I, I say all this, I wish that could be easily implemented. It seems like something that your average homeowner could go onto a website and figure out for themselves. And that's critical. You shouldn't need someone to come in. We had to do that with our air conditioner at one point. Our air conditioning guy had to come in and like measure every wall and ask us about what kind of insulation was in every wall and the ceiling. And he had to measure all the windows and like take into account the materials of the windows and if our slab was insulated and all these other things. And it was a hassle and it took a professional a couple hours. So that's an undue burden and it's kind of silly. Not that it wouldn't be good to know, but it's just not going to happen. 
Um, and maybe it'd be something that would come up with new builds. But if we're talking about 50-year-old houses, who's going to go retroactively do any of that? So this metric is something that you should be able to look at your energy bills and just plug it in. You know, if you know the square footage of your house and you know how much energy you use, you should be able to get that figure. Um, what else? So I say that ranking on the scale of, you know, zero to 600 and we're 7.8 and a hospital's up over 500. The third worst, like somewhere around 500 was, um, bank branches, bank branches. And I think that's disgusting because you have many a times seen, um, criticisms of cryptocurrency is specifically proof of work cryptocurrency, which I don't think that that nuance is known by most of the critics who sling it around carelessly. They don't understand the differences in the kinds of crypto, but you know, when they say Bitcoin uses as much energy as Montenegro or whatever, that's what they're talking about. And it's like, you know, yeah, I'm sure it uses a lot of energy, but as opposed to the boomer and older financial institutions that are literally operating buildings that don't need to exist, right? Bank branches are obsolete. It's disgusting that there are as many, and I'm saying this because I'm always seeing new bank branches being built and developed several in our town since we've moved here that thing that's disgusting dude that's disgusting that wastes even just the concrete that goes into those things and the tonnage of co2 that comes from putting the concrete foundations for all these bank buildings probably equals somewhere near what bitcoin uses but i've not done the math right it's just interesting that that is levied against bitcoin it's energy consumption where bank branches which i again think are obsolete I haven't been into a bank in uh, more than 10 years. I mean, since opening my bank account. So what are you going to say? What are you going to do? Hypocrites. Surprise. Um, the other thing is I was looking into chimney plugs or like flu stoppers, draft stoppers. There's a few varieties of them. It's hard to find information. I want to get an idea of the difference that it will make and try and estimate. Um, I don't know. We, we ordered those infrared panels. I think that's going to be really exciting. But those are tools that use energy. They don't inherently save energy. They just might use it more, you know, uh, sparingly. Anyway, plugging up the chimney will straight up save energy because uh, it literally is designed to suck warm air out the top and that pressure difference is a motivator of the drafts from other holes throughout the house. There's pressure leaving through the chimney and it has to be made up through every little crack and seam throughout the rest of the house. So anywhere you can plug, that's good. I suspect the chimney is a giant straw causing the remaining drafts in the house that we've already significantly reduced. But that being said, this like felt chimney plug is still like a $40 thing. And uh, that's nearly our entire year's cost of energy. Remember, we have our energy cost is now $47. 
and uh, I think all three of the infrared panels were th like 300 and something dollars. So that's, uh, you know, it's like seven years worth of energy costs for infrared panels. And then a, a foam plug would probably be another year's worth of energy costs just to plug that one draft, which is fine. That's not what it's about. We can still save energy and it will still lower our costs. But uh, weird, right? Weird. Oh, the reason I bring this up is because there was just this guy who went crazy in the comment sections on this woman's blog post about her chimney plug where he was just like, let me ask you this. Is fighting climate change or environmentalism, is it a scientifically motivated endeavor or is it a religion? And then he just went off on a string of like, I mean, like book chapter type responses. You know what I mean? Like he was really getting at, uh, going into it. And the lady was nice. She was like, you know, I suspect this is uh, an insincere question. And then eventually other people chimed in and responded to the guy who was just trolling them. At one point he said, you know, I'm grateful for fossil fuels and modernization. And, and people were just like, okay, um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> like, I don't know. And then eventually the comments were closed off. And it just makes me think like people are so nasty. That, I mean, there's such an onslaught of not only just people who are indifferent and don't want to save energy, um, but people who are like actively anti-saving energy. And I think that the people who are anti-saving energy are perhaps more, more energized for whatever reason. Like a lot of people in, in one girl in the comments, I think on that, on that same post was like, oh, it's amazing how people will do these things to save energy um, I, I'm in, I'm, I live in poverty, so I sleep in a hoodie and a robe with socks on and I use a heated blanket and you know, like all this, like I, I, I can't turn my thermostat down any lower to save energy, like that kind of sentiment. Um, but I still think it's good that people are clogging their chimney holes or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, what? Like, <laughs> What? It, it kills me because you, I mean, you only have to justify these costs that are meant to save either energy or money. Like if I went out to a pizza dinner and ate two times the pizza that I needed and it costs more than what we spend on electricity all year long, I'd never have to justify it. No one would ever be like, oh, you should, you're too fat. You got two pizzas. You know what I mean? So kind of weird, kind of weird long rant. I had some monkey chow today, some more monkey chow, which is, of course, tuna salad with beans. And uh, I added corn. So it was officially corn monkey chow today. And it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, but we'll have another salad, I'm sure, later. I got a big, big, big Caesar salad today. Thank you very much. Come again tomorrow.